0: Audible.com is offering UCTV podcast listeners a free 30-day trial subscription and one free audiobook download. Just visit audibletrial.com slash UCTV to sign up. That's audibletrial.com slash UCTV. And thanks.
1: It gives me pleasure to introduce Dr. Erica Gunderson, Dr. Gunderson actually has a background in um, nutrition as a registered dietitian and her PhD um, in epidemiology. She's a research scientist at Kaiser Permanente in Northern California, in Oakland itself, and uh, uh, has a bachelor's degree in biology sciences from Stanford. Dr. Gunderson is um, serving on numerous writing and review committees currently for perinatal nutrition. She has uh, published on a topic very near and dear to my heart, the the sleep and pregnancy issues with women. And as um, our previous speaker talked about, the problems with sleep in the younger population and uh, probably controlling for pregnancy in that case. But our our next talk is focused more on on pregnancy. She conducts longitudinal epidemiological studies to look at postpartum behaviors and breastfeeding and lifestyle factors related to postpartum weight gain, and she's authored over 45 peer-reviewed publications. Please welcome Dr. Gunnerson.
2: Thank you for that kind introduction, Dr. Lee. And I just want you to know that it's really a pleasure to um, present today some information on pregnancy and the postpartum period in relation to obesity. And as you all know that the issue of sleep... Um, during the perinatal period, really has been the focus of decades of research that Dr. Lee has really led um, an amazing record of looking at sleep changes in women, which we know are quite marked and quite important to mental functioning. And most of, but most of the research in this field has focused on. mood in women in the early postpartum period, and um, mental health. So the fact of linking these sleep changes in this period, which are um, adaptive to weight and gain and obesity, is the new part of my talk. And I want to emphasize for you that these changes... um, in metabolism and physiology of pregnancy are quite astounding. It's really an altered physiologic state that you would never encounter unless you were diagnosing a pathologic condition. Uh, Physiologic anemia occurs, uh, marked lower, higher plasma volume expansion is is attributed to that, cardiac and vascular resistance, which lowers blood pressure, hyperlipidemia, particularly high, high triglyceride levels that are 200 to 300 percent higher than the typical norm. Insulin resistance and four to six kilograms of fat, although that can be a much higher gain depending on the person and their diet, inflammation, and metabolic changes, um, other changes. These is just a small list of these changes that the woman is under quite a physiologic stress, and adaptation to that stress um, is variable in women. But these changes are important for transfer of nutrients to the fetus and the placenta. And here are the weight, pregnancy-related weight changes that seem to Occur over the time period in the preconception, which is zero on the left side, and you see the by ten weeks, and the weight is increasing over time um, to an average of about thirty-six pounds. And after delivery, the weight declines um, modestly, and then thereafter should continue to decline and um, further out. Women return to their weight trajectory that's age-related and secular-related. But these changes are, are called during pregnancy and weight gain is gestational weight gain. And as you can see in studies that have looked at this, es, tried to estimate the average gain since the 1980s to the 2005, that the average gestational weight gain seems to follow the increased obesity rates in the U.S. population with, with the average gain creeping up from 24 pounds to 35 pounds in just a matter of 25 years. So this is of concern, particularly as the um, nutrition surveillance system in the U.S. tracks what's happening with gestational gain according to the recommendations which are um, put forward by the Institute of Medicine. And as you can see here, the red bar is, ta- is marking the percent of, the, of women over this last um, two decades or 25 years that actually gained excessively, and that's reached 53%, which is quite a large proportion of pregnant women actually gaining beyond what's really necessary. So those have, that has implications for obesity, but I want to just go give you a very quick overview of how pregnancy influences sleep. Um, in women. In the first trimester, if you've ever been pregnant, many of you probably have sleep. Daytime sleepiness is more pronounced, and the hormone progesterone is responsible for that. And then by the second trimester, um, people are having more disrupted sleep, and not the sleep is not as deep. And many of these changes have been documented, some of it has to do with physical changes. And then by the third trimester, um, the, in, there's an impairment in ability to fall asleep and maintain sleep and that really has to do with the body size and the discomfort and when you see pictures of pregnant women sleeping they're covered with pillows between the legs and, and under their arms and they really don't look all that comfortable and what that means is you have this large um, center of gravity shifted to, to forward and that creates quite a bit of stress on the back and There are many other changes in physical functioning as well. But what factors might be related to excessive gestational gain? Or protective, and here are two. um, One study has looked at this. Now there are very few studies on this topic, but this study particularly noted that if the woman had a higher age at menarche, she was protected from excessive gestational weight gain. Or if she had slightly more sleep, she was also had a much lower risk of excessive gestational weight gain. Few women are actually. Controlling have other disorders during pregnancy, but uh, and medication use is quite um, reduced during pregnancy because of um, effects on the fetus. So, most of this data are very interesting but preliminary. Um, but we do know that sleep deprivation does lead to marked changes in hormone levels, and I know the speakers later in the afternoon are going to be. Addressing some of these issues, but this is the impetus for looking at pregnancy as a very specific period of life, of the life cycle, where there is very marked sleep deprivation during that early postpartum period of the three months. And you see changes in adipocyte hormones sim- that stimulating appetite and stress hormones that might influence overeating or obesity and metabolic changes. And one author has actually proposed a diagram by which sleep changes during pregnancies or insufficient sleep may um, result in this cascade of these inflammatory agents and hypoxia and, and increased cortisol and sleep effects that could actually result in poor perinatal outcomes. And although this is an emerging area, we don't really know if uh, the connection between the sleep during pregnancy and these changes. But a few studies, again, these are epidemiologic observational studies, have been conducted, and some found some relationship between short sleep. Um, less than seven hours per day and glucose t- intolerance as well as higher glucose levels and one study of short sleep less than four hours per, per day, um, a higher risk of gestational diabetes. But we need more rigorous methods to really investigate these relationships. So let's talk about the childbearing years and obesity in women. And this is um, came out this magazine cover is called is a painting by botero which is called the family and here is the time the time magazine headline that was released in 1995 at the beginning of the obesity epidemic its recognition at least in the us and i think the fact that the family—it's a young family—was representing this reproductive period, and what um, can occur during this age age range since since age 18 in terms of weight gain and how it affects future heart disease. So with the same, uh, almost simultaneously, these two papers came out in women, looking linking their weight gain f- from age 18 during the childbearing years, so these are women in midlife, to heart disease, um, not only non-fatal MI, um, but CVD mortality. And you can see that gaining as, as little as 5 kilograms since the age of 18, which is 11 pounds, had a 25% increase in risk. And then if you're at the upper end of 20, pound, 20 kilos, you were, um, had a 165% increase in relative risk of non-fatal MI and fatal MI. And then the mortality rate, 70% higher with 10-kilogram gain. So this is during the childbearing years. And what we see in women in this age group of 35 to 44 years is the greatest increase in obesity prevalence, and obesity prevalence during these decades where we've been monitoring um, weight in the U.S. population. And as you can see from this trend, Overweight is really um, overweight and obesity. That, as um, we heard previously, it's reaching sixty percent of the population. But the rate of obesity, the severity of this excess weight gain, is increasing over time. And um, with thirty-four um, percent now considered obese. Now, let's relate this to what I'm very interested in, which is the reproductive period and how pregnancy has long-term effects on, on obesity in women. And as you can see from the pooled estimates, the further you get away from, you, at the top, we're at six weeks after delivery, and at the very bottom dot, we're at 12 months after delivery, which is when postpartum weight retention is usually estimated. And you can see the further away from the delivery, the... There should be greater weight loss, which with the retention at six kilograms early um, to reduction to only about one kilogram. And this, these are very large pooled studies of women and measured postpartum weights, showing on average. You know, pregnancy really, if you're an average person, and pregnancy really doesn't have a big impact on your weight. But unfortunately, um, if you retain about 10 kilograms or more, um, you shift usually into the overweight category. This is among normal weight women who actually um, were looking at risk of becoming overweight. between consecutive pregnancies, and if they gained above the recommendations during pregnancy, the risk increased threefold, and that was independent of um, adjusted for other variables that are biologic determinants of weight changes, such as menarche and the the time from menarche to their first birth. Very strong biologic effects of tracking of weight gain over time, but But gestational weight gain um, is a key piece here, and what you can see from the studies that um, are available is high gestational weight gain in the white bar across these different studies is is somewhat variable but highly prevalent, ranging from about forty percent to sixty percent, depending on the with low SES being adversely affected, but substantial postpartum weight retention and being overweight. Before pregnancy, both track with that um, issue, and one only a few studies have actually subdivided this weight retention by pre-pregnancy weight groups. And as you can see, the overweight, the really the obese women, um, tend to. Um, have higher weight retention at one year postpartum, although it's quite variable across these samples that are limited. So here's your overview summary of what Are the predictors of maternal obesity related to pregnancy? So, the biologic predictors that are before pregnancy, we talked about, are maternal body size and and menarche and and first birth. And then during pregnancy, maybe sleep might be a factor. That's something we know very little about. And then after pregnancy, risk factors such as sleep, depression, and lactation influence weight changes. But over all the periods at the bottom, you can see that these behaviors certainly are overriding factors in weight change and tracking after pregnancy. So basically, what is postpartum weight retention? Um, And again, we're looking at how a woman gains during pregnancy, which you can see above the red line, that first bar of 14.4 is what she gained during the pregnancy, and then what how where the weight is retained. So really the objective after pregnancy is to return to pre-pregnancy weight. But but there's a subset of about 20 to 50% of women that don't return to that weight. So how does sleep curtailment figure into these weight changes because we know that's a major change for women during this period that's not voluntary in the postpartum period. And most of this was this observational data that we just heard about that had to do with these um, short sleep hours in these younger adults and their higher risk of obesity and heart heart disease and diabetes in women. And these were actually probably a mix of findings across studies depending on the age. But when we look at the po- maternal and infant sleep, I put them together here, and as you can see, there, y- there's a lot of interruption in sleep and very shortened periods of sleep. And that what the effect of that um, has on postpartum weight retention, we know very little about. What we do know is further out that persistent changes and persistent sleep deprivation can have those physiologic effects. So this sleep curtailment in the first six months, does it lead to higher postpartum weight retention? And what is this association independent of all those other lifestyle factors and and lactation and other things that and biologic risk factors that determine weight gain? So we did this study in Project Viva, which is a cohort, pregnancy cohort study. It's a longitudinal study. And we measured, it had self-reported measures of weight before, during, and after pregnancy. And no pregnancies um, within that first year postpartum. So the methods to assess sleep in this study had, were... Um, these two questions, and only these two very basic questions, so limited in this particular assessment how many hours of sleep do you get in an average 24 hour period, and in the past month, do you feel you're getting enough sleep? So, sleep duration was actually um, curtailed in about 12% of the sample overall um, who reported sleeping less than or equal to five hours. Per day, and postpartum weight retention was excessive in about 13% of the sample. So here's um, the characteristics of this cohort overall um, shown for the the women that didn't have excessive. Postpartum weight retention, and those that did, and what you can see from this um, crude odds ratios and the actual per- number percents that are shown. But if you look at the crude odds ratios in the race groups, you can see that non-white um, races had a uh, higher risk of this high weight retention, high being obese before pregnancy increased the risk, and gaining above the recommendations increased the risk of postpartum weight retention. So all of the expected um, predictors. But this is, when we looked at this, these groups, categories of sleep um, hours, we saw something very interesting and, and what I actually did not expect that would be so marked. And you can see that for this short sleep group, the postpartum weight retention was definitely more than a kilogram higher on average, and the weight retention was also higher um, for the longer sleep duration group. So it's sort of a J-shaped association. and. When we looked at the sleep categories and the crude association, having this shorter sleep uh, versus seven hours, and this is at six months postpartum, was associated with a threefold higher risk of having gained more than five retained more than five kilos at one year, and it was also a significant eighty percent increase for the longer sleep. And then we also looked at a measure of change in sleep. Since this is a longitudinal study, we asked about sleep at 6 months and at 12 months. And we found that women, the sleep change, if they, if they reported a certain amount of sleep at 6 months and then by 12 months it was less, they had almost a two-fold higher risk. And this is the same um, graph showing the odds ratios with this Crude association, and this is for change in sleep. The association, and these are adjusted for one another. And both the change in sleep and the short sleep associations remained um, independent of the behaviors and these risk factors. So these are two. These are very strong associations. They're independent of lifestyle factors. They're independent of um, the sleep. They reported at six months and obesity and gestational weight gain, and we also examined depression as well and found no association. There was a low frequency of postpartum depression. It did not confound the association. So this is really the first evidence that curtailment of postpartum sleep is related to weight retention at one year later. The limitations are we had no data on sleep, Patterns before or during pregnancy. These were self reported weights before pregnancy and one year after delivery, although, um, in this particular cohort, we, we see fairly consistent, we don't think there's a, a large bias in these reported weights. Um, one other study to note, this is still Project Viva data that was done by a colleague of mine. They also had measured inflammatory markers in relation to the short sleep versus longer she- sleep duration at one year postpartum. and I'm sorry, three years postpartum, and actually found higher level, significantly higher levels of IL-6 in the women with the shorter sleep. So the strongest independent predictors of weight gain um, during pregnancy and after pregnancy are the things we've discussed, whether you're obese or overweight before pregnancy, um, short interval from menarche to first birth, uh, young age at menarche, sleeping fewer than five hours at six months postpartum, which really is a time point where women should revert back to more of a normal sleep duration and change in to less sleep at 12, month, 12 months postpartum. So we have some modifiable risk factors here that can, we can focus on in the interconceptual period or the preconceptual period. And those are this, you know, trying to get weight gain under control during the pregnancy. But we also can look, try to look postpartum and screen women for sleep curtailment and see if that during that perinatal period there may be a relationship to obesity. And the next thing we don't know very much about is what are the correlates of this um, few hours of sleep in this postpartum period. And we need to find out more about those things. Um, Actually, I'm conducting a study where, where Dr. Lee actually helped us with a questionnaire in our SWIFT cohort of postpartum GDM women and we're doing longitudinal assessments over two years postpartum, and we have detailed um, measurements of weight and, and adiposity and some, sleep, some better sleep questions that can hopefully help us with, get some more information on this um, data. So the family and sleep. I just leave you with pregnancy as being a critical part of a woman's um, life and her infant's life, and the obesity in the women um, will also impact the obesity in the offspring. As we know, with subsequent pregnancies, as a woman becomes more obese over time, there is um, gestational diabetes and fetal programming of birth weight and adiposity. Thank you very much. Thank you for that question. That, that's, that's an excellent point. I think we are more and more interested in how the physiology, the adaptations to pregnancy, r- reveals underlying phys- disorders, such as could sleep apnea could be brought forth where it was more modest or subclinical. So I think those are critical questions to get at more specific sleep disorders and diagnostic criteria for those disorders. Thank you. We need to find out what promotes a reasonable amount of sleep, and what's what's adequate. What's a reasonable adequate norm for um, postpartum women, and whether they do they do reasonably well if they have naps during the day. Uh, You know, versus we know they're not going to get long intervals during you know the first three months sometimes. But can they benefit from naps during the day? And and this issue of where the child sleeps, I think, is critical.
1: My name is Laurel now UCSF. I was really interested in the j shaped relationship that you pointed out between extremes and sleep. And now, as a person who's looked at obesity over the years, we've from really talking as much about moving into other behaviors that are stress-related. And I'm wondering about your thoughts about the underlying physiology. Uh, in other words, the stress that could be contributing to behavioral extremes and the possibility of moving the certain more to those underlying physiology and how is that load for the mm-hmm.
2: stress. Yeah, I think I think that Dr. Mellon, thank you for that comment. Um, mm-hmm. and I think that we need to understand all components of this. We we're seeing and, uh, you know, I was chatting with before the presentation saying that I was just so surprised at the strength of this association with that less than five hours. I was shocked. I just thought it would be maybe a modest, maybe 50%, maybe 80% increase in risk, but a threefold increase in risk is strong. And I just have to say the eight-hour-per-week association, once we uh, um, adjusted for other lifestyle behaviors, that longer-sleep association went away. So I think that it, we're really in focusing mostly during the perinatal period on this shorter sleep and the sleep depri- deprivation and what is contributing to it, to it. And what makes women at six months end up with less sleep at 12 months? Um, the, how, why did that group change from... You know, to getting they had a certain amount of sleep, and then they they're getting less all of a sudden at 12 months. That's sort of a fascinating. But I think we need to link. This is just observational; it's epidemiologic study. We need to ground it in basic science, and we need to know if there's really what's predicting these changes, and are they modifiable, and what behaviors are linked to sleep. That's key, very key. Thank you for that comment. Okay. Thank you very much.